Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt. They have their location either on Franklin Street, where you can visit them, or at JohnnyT-Shirt.com. I'm your host for this one, John Siegley, and I'm joined by Sean Moran of Sean Mo Hoops, and then also Bo Estes of NBA.com and NBA, is it NBA TV, Bo? I can never remember the right way to say it. (laughs) That's correct. It is NBA TV, NBA.com. That's our uh, two outlets, the television and the digital side. All right, there we go. See, Sean and I have been on the podcast so much, I just know Sean Mo Hoops. It's right there off the tip of the tongue. <laughs> Being the new guy, I understand. Ah, it's no worries, man. After the first one, you've already been through the ringer, so now you're you're categorized as a regular at this point moving forward. <laughs> Excellent. So, guys, um, we actually have some positive news to talk about about the heels. Uh, Sean made the comment before we started that uh, at least this year we are able to have this podcast after the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. And let's just go ahead and start there. And Sean, I will go ahead and give you the floor, man. What was your major takeaway from watching the Heels as they faced off against Iona and then how they just dismantled Washington on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon, actually? Definitely pleased with how they performed uh, last year. Obviously ran into Texas A&M in the second round, which uh, did not end up well. And this year we have one more weekend to watch the Heels. I think on Friday night, the first half of the Iona game was... Uh, you know, a little troubling watching Iona absolutely on fire and, and taking the lead into the, the first half. And you had to think that they were going to come back down to earth and, and UNC would come out at halftime. But at the same time, you definitely didn't want it to be a repeat of the Virginia scenario, especially after probably all the UNC fans were making fun of Virginia when they struggled earlier that day in their first half. But overall, you know, it was a, it was a good weekend. Uh, they shot um, you know, they shot well at, at times and, and really the Washington game I thought was, was very impressive, uh, especially with how they started the second half. I thought they could have been up a little more at the half and, and right when the second half started, Washington hits a shot, but then UNC came down and answered it and really ran away with it and made it, you know, a pretty, uh, you know, not, not an extremely competitive game, which is what they needed. Uh, so overall it was, it was fun and especially getting to see Nas Little play the way he did. Uh, which I think will be a big part of of how far UNC can advance going further. Yeah, we'll get to Nasir's Little's play later on in the podcast. But, you know, Bo, when you were watching UNC, what was your kind of thoughts as you saw them really take control late against Washington? And they did have their struggles against Iona. Were you worried at all during that first-round game, man? I'm worried during every game, but yeah, I was, I was certainly worried during the first round game. Uh, I'll say this uh, every year mentally before the season starts, I sort of watch the team, check them out and everything. And in my head, I say, okay, where do we go in the tournament? What do I expect? And this year's team, I was thinking somewhere between six sweet 16 and grade eight. So like Sean said, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to see them here. It's great for the Tar Heels to get this far, especially after last year. But uh, you know, the, the struggles in the first half against Iona were real. People talk about the trajectory of Roy Williams' teams and how they get better during the season and really peak at the right time. That first half against Iona was a you know mid-November, early December Roy Williams team, and he cranked it up a notch at halftime. So that, for me, was good to see. Uh, the first half of the Washington game, I liked seeing the Tar Heels build a lead. Um, you know, I've been around long enough to have seen them, uh, you know, not – sort of push that lead out to a more commanding lead. So you get uncomfortable when it's an eight-point game at half. I mean, 
I remember the 2016 national championship game at halftime where there was a sequence at the end of Villanova got a little mm-hmm. closer than I thought they should have been. And it, and it hurt Carolina. I thought I, I, you know, go back to 95. I think there was a half court shot made by Arkansas at the half and, and that cut into Carolina's lead. So, you know, you'd like to see them finish these teams off when they get a bigger lead, but look, look the other team's playing hard too. The other team wants to win. So uh, it's understandable, but, all in all, just a commanding performance, especially in that Washington game, like Sean said. We're going to talk about the starters later on, but I think one of the biggest stories that emerged out of that Washington game in, in particular was the play of UNC's bench players. And I want to focus on Brandon Robinson because with the injury that Kenny Williams suffered to his hamstring, B-Rob came into the game and he really played well. I think that it was a welcome sight to see for Carolina fans, especially given how the team will look next year. So, you know, Sean, when you were watching B-Rob come off the bench, how did you think his performance merited there? I thought it was was good, as you, as you mentioned. And I think overall, he's given UNC fans the confidence really from the start of 2019. And, and sure, there have been a lot of games where he, he hasn't scored, but uh, you know, even just going one for one for one from two, and, and even though he misses three, uh, he, he definitely gave good minutes, adding some rebounds and assists. And I think for the most part, Roy feels confident when he's in there uh, from knowing, you know, when to shoot, not taking bad shots. He provides some length on the defensive end. And overall, he, he provided good minutes. He's been doing it throughout the ACC season. And I think is going to be instrumental off the bench going forward, especially uh, you know, if, if Kenny's hamstring does does kind of tighten up it at some point down the road, especially given the minutes he's been playing. Uh, but once again, it's just kind of a, a reserve that everybody has confidence in. And sure, it's only two points, but played 15 minutes. He had an offensive rating of 156, which is really, really good. And, you know, held his own on the defensive end. So overall, it was it was a fun thing to watch and looking forward to seeing more strong performances from him off the bench. I want to get your thoughts on Brandon Robinson as well, Bo. But the other thing, too, is Carolina also lost Garrison Brooks there when he caught an elbow. I mean, I think that the the officials missed that call. It is what it is. He had to leave the game, but Carolina did not drop off, especially when it came to the emphasis that Roy Williams places on rebounding. So let's get your thoughts on Brandon Robinson. And then what did you really see from Carolina as far as crashing the boards without one of their most consistent rebounders out there on the floor? Well, first off on B-Rob, I, I sort of echo the shots, the, the thoughts that Sean has. Here's the thing with Brandon Robinson. He can play a similar, if not quite as effective, level of defense as Kenny Williams. And Brandon Robinson is a more efficient shooter this year. The question, you know, everybody has going forward next year is can he scale up? He's going to get more minutes. Can he make more shots with more time? Uh, but he's been a 45% three-point shooter this year. That's helpful. So that's a threat outside. And next, you know, next time out, the guy they're going to have to stop is a scorer at the two-guard position in Bryce Brown. He's the Auburn's leading scorer. So if Kenny Williams has any trouble at all, it's Brandon Robinson in there, and he's going to be charged with trying to slow down perhaps Auburn's best player, or at least their best scorer, and a guy who went 7 of 11 on threes against Kansas. So I'm happy with B-Rob offensively in the contributions he makes as long as he's taking smart shots. Uh, But for me, his defensive growth this year has been tremendous. He doesn't uh, over-pursue. He's right where he needs to be. And I I think, you know, his size, he's got a small size advantage on Brown. I I think that's going to be useful. Now, as far as Carolina's rebounding, 
I'm blown away. I'm thrilled with it. Uh, and, and every year it is that way. But when you think about the size of this year's North Carolina team, and really last year as well, it's not a classically, you know, large North Carolina team. It's 6'9", 6'9", 6'8", across the front line. That's pretty big, but it's not the tremendous. And they still rebound. And when 6'9", in Garrison Brooks went out, 6'6", in Nas Little came in, and he gave him seven boards, which was tremendous. And I think, you know, as you look ahead to next game out, the Auburn game, I think rebounding is a massive key for North Carolina because they have an advantage built in there, and they have to maximize that advantage and absolutely own the boards. And if they do so, I feel good about this week. Yeah, Auburn shoots a ton of threes. We'll provide our preview thoughts on them kind of to end the podcast. But since you did talk about Little there, Bo, and Sean brought him up as well, let's go ahead and shift the talk to him. I was just so impressed with how he played in both games. I mean, in Iona, he really provided that spark that kept the heels, I thought, in it in the first half. And then Washington just had no answer for him. When Garrison went out, he really picked it up on the rebounding effort. So, you know, Sean, when you were sitting there just watching Nasir, what was your takeaway from seeing his development and just that spike in production now that the games have started to matter to that nth degree? Sure, definitely uh, very excited to watch him perform like he did, but also cautiously optimistic um, in terms of excitement. As you mentioned, 19 points and then 20 against Washington, uh, adding seven rebounds against Washington and, and four against Iona. And really one of the players that came in immediately and was playing hard. Uh, you know, I, I thought the matchups worked out very well. Both teams were playing predominantly zone. So here you go. You throw Naz right in, in the middle of the paint. And here he is catching um, and being right there instead of the wing. All he has to do is take one dribble and he he put up his little floater, which had a, a very soft touch. Um, or he could get to the basket. So I think a lot of the deficiencies he showed during the year of dribbling too much or going one-on-one or kind of not reacting quick enough, those were taken away when he could get just, just catch the ball in the middle of the zone and attack immediately. Um, and he did so. I thought he had you know some of the little short jump shots and, and even the, the three-pointer he had against Washington all came within rhythm. And one thing I can't uh, you know, probably can't be understated just how much this did for his confidence. Um, you know, I think basketball is a big game of confidence. And I'm sure at times when he's only playing, you know, 12, 15 minutes and getting one or two shots and, and getting yanked on, you know, an early mistake, his confidence was pretty low, but he stayed, stayed with it throughout the course of the year. And we got to see a reflection of, you know, kind of his perseverance, those first two games. Now, on the flip side, now you're going against Auburn and then Houston or Kentucky. They're not going to be playing zone defense, um, and they have a lot better athletes. So can he continue to stay the efficient NAS that we saw last weekend, I think will be, uh, you know, is questionable, and, and hopefully we do. But I think something to watch out for, and now it'll go back to man-to-man defense. But coming against Auburn, Bo mentioned it, how bad they are on the defensive boards. And if he's attacking and getting second-chance opportunities – uh, that's going to be huge for for UNC to advance to the Elite Eight. Yeah, Bo, how do you see Nasir play for the remainder of this year's tournament? And also, you know, I've been looking at the mock drafts. His draft stock has fallen quite a bit, actually. And now I think maybe the NBA is seeing a glimpse of really the true skills that Nasir has. So the first part, talk to us about what you expect from him moving forward and just your thoughts over the weekend as well. 
And then also, are you hearing anything from your NBA guys that maybe there's a slight reevaluation going on about his ability and, and NBA potential overall? Well, tackling sort of what I've seen and what I've seen in this NCAA tournament first, uh, I, I think Sean's right. Look, it, they, those were the perfect opportunities for him to play well against Iona and Washington to get into the middle of the deep. What, what he was able to do was turn around, face, and get one step going at them. And when he gets that momentum and has the ability to use his athleticism, he is very difficult to stop. Now, now the thing about that is, and the thing you have to give him a little extra credit for, is his ability to adapt and understand. He's learning the game, and, and you know it's possible that it's slowing down for him now, and he's getting it a little bit. Uh, the other thing I saw him do well is take a little bit of contact, uh, adjust in midair, uh, and you know that's something that Kobe White does wonderfully. It's almost like it comes naturally to him. Nas has to develop that a little bit better. Uh, he's a better athlete than Kobe is, uh, so he should be able to, and, and you're starting to see sort of signs of that coming along and and going forward in this tournament, you know, I I think it's going to be interesting to see if he can get his points off the offensive glass, if he can get his points uh, in transition, you know, you mentioned confidence. He was eight of 11 against Washington. One of one, he took the three pointer with confidence. He hit every one of his free throws. Look, he, he played lights out. He really did. So if that confidence can carry over, I think it's important to see him hit an early bucket against Auburn and get going. If that happens, you know, a, a really high-level play in Nas Little takes North Carolina to another level. They're difficult to stop. And, and if he can get on that sort of run, uh, you know, we, we recall Carolina players of years past getting on a run at the right time of year and really propelling the whole team. He could be that guy. He really could. Now, at the NBA level, look, you know, the mock drafts sort of go up and down. I, I don't place too much stock into that. They know what Nas Little is, and they know what he needs to work on, and I think they're seeing signs of that. What Nas Little does well is, is what we've talked about, what he needs to develop. It's, it's what I talked about last time on the podcast, the connective tissue of his game. He can shoot a jump shot. He needs to work on that, but he's, he's grown physically, so his touch needs to come around, but he's got the mechanics. He can drive when he's, when he's in motion. He can finish. Uh, it's the driving and the turning and a, and, a, and a counter move and a reversal, stuff like that. Uh, he, he gets into a move and he sees a guy open and makes a pass. All that maturation that can happen and will happen with time, uh, I, I think the NBA builds that in. Uh, look, it's, it's fair to say he's dropped from where he was preseason mocks, and that's fine. I get that. Kobe White has shot up, but I, I, I think the NBA knows what they've got in Nas Little. All right, guys, let's take a very quick commercial break. When we get back, let's talk about Carolina's, quote, big three guys um, and how they fared in the first two games of the NCAA tournament. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Let's take a moment to talk about our friends at Johnny T-Shirt. They are a very long-term supporter of Inside Carolina and the Inside Carolina podcast, and they are your place to go to for Carolina gear. Johnny T-Shirt has been a Franklin Street tradition for over 35 years, and they are one of the absolute iconic locations there on campus. They are locally and alumni-owned with a great staff that puts great value on customer service. It is really top-notch. When you go into Johnny T-Shirt, 
t-shirt, they make you feel like you are a part of the family. They are your place to go to for Carolina gear because it is their focus. They have a terrific selection of anything that you might want from memorabilia to jerseys to clothing and everything in between. And if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get your exclusive 10% off discount on all of your purchases. You can use that either in their Chapel Hill store or at johnnytshirt.com. That's johnnytshirt.com. So even if you live out of state and you still need that Johnny T-shirt fix, you can go there to order anything that you need Carolina related. So support Johnny T-shirt and support the Inside Carolina podcast. Visit their website, johnnytshirt.com, and visit their store when you're in town on game days. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Sean Moran and Bo Estes. All right, guys. So we've talked about the bench players. We've talked about Nasir Little. Um, and let's go ahead and now talk about Kobe White, Cameron Johnson, and Luke May, the three kind of most reliable players that Carolina has had, especially throughout the ACC season, but I think overall as well. You know, I think it's fair to say that Carolina's overall NCAA tournament run is going to go as far as those three guys can take them because everyone else has very important roles, especially in the UNC Roy Williams offense. But those three, I think, must really play at their highest possible level, especially moving forward now that the level of competition is going to keep on increasing. So, you know, Sean, let's go ahead and get your thoughts there. Just overall, when you were watching those three guys, who really impressed you the most and who do you think still maybe needs to up their game, if any of them, for Carolina to reach a Final Four this year? Sure. I mean, I think they all had impressive moments throughout the stretch, which was very important. Uh, let's start with with Kobe, because I know we talked a lot about him last week and how he would be one of the guys that would really determine how far they go. And we saw against Iona, he started off the game hot, going for eight points right off the bat, but then only only finished with 10 and was was pretty quiet from a scoring perspective. Um, he did, did add some rebounds and some assists, but then against Washington, picked it up uh, more so towards the end. He finished him with four three-pointers and, and 17 points. So, you know, going against Auburn and, and their talented guards, I think there's going to be more room to penetrate against man-to-man. Uh, and I, I think we'll be able to see that that from him. But once again, we've seen some of these, other, you know, going back in the past of uh, Kentucky and, and Duke where Kobe struggled and that in turn has caused UNC to struggle. You know, given given kind of the the backup point guard situation right now, it's kind of imperative that that Kobe's playing well and and stays healthy and, and stays out of foul trouble uh, for UNC to reach their peak. In terms of Cam Johnson, uh, you know, we all know what a great a great shooter he is and and he kind of really answered the bell uh, at the after halftime for Iona coming out swinging, um, really shooting the ball well. He went seven of 16 from the, the three point line, uh, adding in. Uh, seven assists, which I'm trying to look in to see that might be a career high or at least a season high for him um, against Washington and, and Luke May with his with his rebounding. Uh, you know, I, I thought sometimes when he was shooting those threes, I know his percentage has struggled and, and he's falling short on a lot of those threes. But when he gets it from 15, you know, he has that nice hierarchy shot and, and is usually able to hit pretty consistently from there. So I think, um, you know, going against Auburn, those opportunities will present themselves some more and not to get sucked into the three for him, uh, but really take advantage of, of more of the 12, 15 footers that he might be able to have. 
All right, and then Bo, what's your take on how those guys played over the weekend, and how do you think that they could fare against Auburn this Friday? Well, I, th- I just think it's such an advantage, particularly for Carolina, to have two guys in Luke May and Cam Johnson who have been around this for a while, particularly Luke May. And, you know, you throw Kenny Williams in there as well from the experience side. Auburn's an experienced team, so that that's going to matter in this game. Luke May, I, I think Sean's right. He hasn't had a great year from three, somewhere in the 28% range on the year from three. But, boy, when he gets it, elbows uh, on the wing – uh, free throw line he's knocking shots down and also that keeps him closer to the glass for those offensive rebounds he had four against Washington I, I think you know when we talk about these three guys Kobe White is, is a natural advantage I mean he's six five playing point guard and is able to do step back threes he's able to drive take contact he he's your guy who can get a shot in the late clock shot clock situation the other two guys uh, are different for me I think I think Luke May and Cam Johnson really need to bring it down the stretch for Carolina to keep going forward to not just this weekend, but next weekend. And I I think they have to do it in different ways. One of the things that Carolina has a built-in advantage on also is that, you know, any of these four guys, Kobe White, Kenny Williams, Cam Johnson, Luke May gets the rebound. They can push off the dribble if need be. That helps Carolina's fast break. And that's a skill development that Luke May has now that I don't know that I saw when he was a freshman and, and Cam Johnson, frankly, is better as well. And, uh, you know, that's perhaps reflected in what Sean said with his seven assists. But I, I think those are your big three, but I, I think it's much more uh, important to go beyond that. At some level, you need a fourth guy playing and that's been Nas Little to this point. Who will it be this weekend? Is it Garrison Brooks? Is it Kenny Williams? And if they play a big team down the stretch, who can step up and help them uh, sort of push forward and match that size? Well, I just want to take a quick second to talk about that step back three that Kobe hit against Washington. Yeah. I mean, that was an NBA move. Yeah, Do you think move. are scouts just salivating when they see him make that kind of shot, Bo? That's a move that James Harden is making a living on now. It is the NBA move, and, and, and nobody does it better than James Harden. A few other guys do it really well, but if he's showcasing that, and you see that you know he hits three-pointers from all over the place, but he can take a step or two back. His range is not just college range. He can hit it from anywhere. I mean, he is a walking bucket. The man can play anywhere, anytime, any place in any game in the world. He's just that good. Uh, you know, I, I, I've seen people complain that they, they think he was underrated, and, and it's possible that he was. He was a McDonald's All-American, and he was under, underrated. So that's pretty good for Kobe White. And, uh, you know, you just you just couldn't be happier for the guy. I was watching the Washington game, and one thing I noticed is the way that Kobe White picked that defense apart was, was clinical. And I thought in Carolina's pass, Kendall Marshall would have picked that team apart in a completely different way. So there's different approaches to playing the position, but boy, Kobe has what's an NBA game right now. Yeah, and Sean, you know, is there anything that you think, or I guess I I should say, when Kobe does just launch those threes and and attempt those step backs, which he splashed the one against Washington, you know, is it something where at this point you just want him to take as many shots as he possibly can get? Or do you think that there, you know, maybe sometimes – Roy may tell him, look, don't try to hunt your shot, or is it just, you know, let him rip at this point? I, I think with him and, and Cam, they're, you know, two of the few players where anytime 
they release it, I think it, it's going in. Uh, you know, Cam more so just because of how beautiful his stroke is, but Kobe because of how he's proven to just be able to get buckets anytime, anytime he wants. Um, so, you know, there's times where he, I, I feel that he maybe shoots a little too quickly with somebody in his face, but for the most part, yeah, he can step back from five feet and whether that's the step back or really some of these tough shots that we've seen him hit over the course of time. Uh, right now, I'm kind of thinking one of the shots he hit at the end of the Louisville, uh, at Louisville of kind of the, the fade away from 18 feet. And we know he can hit him. He has range. So, you know, with him being one of your top scorers, you need him to score. And he's going to have to do that consistently for hopefully four more games. All right, guys, let's go ahead and wrap up the podcast by talking about the Auburn Tigers. They present a very interesting matchup to Carolina because they're a team that has some deficiencies that you guys have already talked about, especially on the rebounding and then on the defensive side that Carolina can exploit. But at the same time, they took it to Tennessee to win the SEC because they are just a team that truly lives and dies by the three. And if they come out firing, Carolina has had issues with shutting down those guards that can get hot from the outside. And I mean, this is a game that Carolina can easily lose. So, you know, Bo, let's go ahead and get your thoughts first on this one. How do you see the matchup really going on Friday night? And if the heels are going to come away with the victory there, what do you think they must do first and foremost? First and foremost is dominate on, on the glass. Luke May had more rebounds in the round of 32, that's 14, than all of Auburn's starters combined. They had 13. So UNC can absolutely dominate on the boards. But they also, one of, one of North Carolina's weaknesses is defending the three-point line. UNC has made 289 threes this year. It seems like a ton. Auburn's made 381. They've attempted over 1,000 this year. So North Carolina has to defend that three-point line for me to really, really uh, have a good shot. You know, Auburn could get hot, and, and then you're talking about staying in a tough game. But I, I think, you know, you talk about Kenny Williams having an important role. He's got to get out there and defend, and if he can't do it, it's Brandon Robinson who's got to go on Bryce Brown, who hit seven, as we mentioned earlier on in, in Auburn's last game. Uh, and you, one other little thing I'd like to see, uh, Kenny Williams perhaps have an offensive renaissance. Kenny hit as many threes in that last regular season game against Duke as he's hit in all of UNC's other games in March combined. He needs to do a little better from outside to make the defense respect him out there. And really, you know, you just have to hope his health is right. And then I like North Carolina. The rebounding advantage seems to be if everybody shoots a normal game, it seems to be too much for Auburn to overcome. All right, Sean, go ahead and take us home, man. Let's get your thoughts on the Auburn matchup. Definitely agree with, with Bo in terms of what Carolina needs to do. And it, it's a really interesting matchup. And, and just given how they throttled uh, Kansas the other day, uh, you know, it could be troublesome. But at the same, same time, there are a lot of deficiencies. We talked about offensive rebounding. You go back to one of the games they lost uh, back in, in February. They lost to LSU. They gave up 23 offensive rebounds to LSU. Uh, then you look at when they lost to Kentucky. And Kentucky only turned the ball over 11 times. So, I think Kobe really needs to be, you know, careful with the ball. Uh, can't let them get out of the break and get any easy baskets. But at the same time, they're going to try to run with UNC, and we they rank 157th in tempo. So I would say let them let them run as much as they want, and ideally they'll tire out 
a little bit down the down the stretch and the legs will get heavy from three. Um, you know, you look at their two guards, really, really strong, athletic, talented guards. But you have Jared Harper, the point guard. He's taking 59% of his shots from three. And then you have Bryce Brown, the shooting guard, that's taking 73% of his shots from three. So very highly dependent on the three-pointer. But, you know, one thing that I saw in the New Mexico State game, especially early on when they were hitting, was they're kind of they're able to penetrate and then kick out uh, to kind of the wings or the corner. And you look right now, I'm just kind of looking at at synergy and, and how they shoot as a team. They're only shooting 34% from the top of the key, but they're shooting 48% from the right corner and then 39% from the left corner. Um, and I know UNC has had trouble in the past of kind of overhelping at times and leaving uh, to wide open shooters. So if you can see, if you UNC can kind of keep them out of penetration um, and Kenny can do a good job on Bryce Brown. I think things will, will go well. And then one final thought, uh, I know they have trouble on the boards and it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, they do have Austin Wiley that has, you know, former five-star high four-star player that over the last two games played 11 minutes and 13. So kind of working his way back after missing five games. And he could be an important piece just because he does present that size that Auburn really hasn't, utilized before as well as a big athletic body that could keep UNC off of some of those rebounds. So I think it's important to tire him out when he does get in or try to get him in foul trouble. And then ideally UNC can, can do what they've done all season, um, shoot the ball well and advance to a Sunday game with either Houston or Kentucky. See, I like that both of you guys were ready and prepared with the stats, you know, doing your Greg Barnes impersonations here because <laughs> yeah, Greg is still the uh, the icy king of just dropping the stat bombs left and right there. <laughs> Greg's still on the hook for that North Carolina Duke National Championship prediction too. So uh, we're all keeping our eyes on him for that. Look, it might happen. That's all I'm going to say on it. And actually, Sean, before we go, man, what is coming up with you on the Sean Mo Hoops podcast? Yeah, thanks, Sean. Um, so. Wednesday afternoon uh, should be coming out with a podcast with Clark Kellogg. Uh, he's taking some time out to come on Wednesday morning uh, to chat about his, you know, his career and, and his uh, career in broadcasting, as well as the first weekend and what he's looking forward to seeing in the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. So it should be a fun podcast um, and looking forward to chatting with him. Ooh, I will definitely be listening to that one. And then, Bo, anything that you can plug here, man? Uh, I am calling, let me see, NCAA men's, NCAA women's, swimming and diving, wrestling, women's hockey, NBA basketball. Nothing really going on at all for me, guys. Yeah, no, that sounds just like a, just like an easy day at the park there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, it's, it's fun, guys. I love this time of year. All right. Well, I do appreciate both of you guys talking with me tonight. We'll be back hopefully again next week. It would be an absolute delight to talk to you guys about the Heels making it to the Final Four. We'll just have to wait and see how the games play out. Gentlemen, hope you both have a good rest of the week. Thanks, John. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.